I don't know if I've said this story before, but many a year ago, I used to be in a hardcore band, which means I, I did screaming music. I know some of you have never even seen that side of me, so you can't even imagine what it's like for me to have long hair and for me to be screaming in front of all these different people I've never met before. But that's what I did. I didn't play an instrument. I just screamed at people, and that was my occupation. I wanted to do that for a living, believe it or not. I, like, my dream was to be in a sweaty van with all my best friends traveling the country, perhaps traveling the world. I wanted to do that and scream for a living. That'd be awesome. And my last show that we played years and years ago, maybe some of you guys remember, some of you were in junior high. Um, the last show that we were playing was with this one band. I, I don't even remember their name anymore. But um, there was another band that we were playing that wasn't a headliner. And we had heard that this was one of the moshing gangs bands. So they're one of the bands that like they only play music so that people get hurt. And so I'm at that point when I find that out, I'm panicking because I'm like, I can't tell any youth group kids to come. I gotta make sure no one comes that's from the church. Cause what if someone goes and they get punched in the face and then I lose my job and lose my friends and, and then the kid gets hurt too. That's terrible. But I'm panicking and I'm worried. So I make sure that a lot of you couldn't come. Some of you remember that show and uh, remember how I forbade you from coming. Um, so we get to the, the show and we're getting all our gear out. And as this is happening, I see the lead singer from the other band. And this lead singer had to be like 300 pounds, but like a pure muscle, bald, you know, heavy beard. And, and I was just like, this guy looks like he's going to eat someone. It's scary. And so I'm fearing for my own life at this point. And I'm praying, I'm like, oh Lord, what's gonna happen? All of our fans are gonna get destroyed. And I'm just, you know, every worst case scenario just flies through my mind. And then as we're unloading, I see, I like feel the gaze. I feel him staring at me. And I know he's looking at me. I'm like, oh, what, what, what am I gonna do now? He points at me and he says, you, I know you. And I'm like, oh no, <laughs> really? Hi, my name's Alan, I'm a Christian. And uh, he says, yeah, I know you. You and I used to play Dance Dance Revolution together like five years ago. And this guy, I remember him. We used to play Dance Dance Revolution together, like go to tournaments and we used to hang out, eat pizza. And I'm thinking like all my fears just got washed away. Cause I was like, how harmful can he be if he plays Dance Dance Revolution? I mean, some of you don't even know what that is at this point, but that was an awesome game until I realized that all my friends that played it were nerds, and I was like, I'm never going to get a girlfriend this way, so I'm going to stop playing. But I was really good at one point playing Dance Dance Revolution, and maybe once in a while I'll play it. But all my fears were wiped away because I realized this guy was no longer a threat until they started playing again, and, and then one of our fans did get punched in the face, and he got a broken nose or something. I was bleeding, and we talked to him. We evangelized him afterwards, and we remained Facebook friends for a long time. Besides the point, that's besides the point, but all that to say, a lot of us have things that we stress about, but we don't need to stress about these things. But what makes us so fearful and what makes us so stressed out is the feeling of uncertainty. You have no idea what's gonna happen and that's why we worry. In fact, there was a, a scientific experiment conducted by the university uh, a university in the Netherlands, I don't know which one, 
um, and I guess they can do this, but they were shocking people. <laughs> Apparently that's, that's okay to do there. And they would administer 20 intense shocks to one group and 17 shocks to this other group with three really intense shocks. So the group that was told you're going to be shocked intensely 20 times was actually less nervous than the group that had 17 normal shocks and three intense shocks. Why is that? Because they didn't know when the intense shock was coming. And so their heartbeat would speed up, they would sweat more, they were more nervous and more fearful because they didn't know what was going to happen. And that's how our lives can be sometimes, is we are so worried and so stressed out about things that we are completely uncertain about and things that are completely out of our control. A psychologist from Harvard, D Daniel Gilbert, says we can't come to terms with circumstances who terms, whose terms we don't know yet. Our national gloom is real enough, but it isn't a matter of insufficient funds. In other words, the economy. It's a matter of insufficient certainty. People don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, and that freaks them out. It freaks them out that they don't know what kind of grade they're going to get on their test or if they're going to land that job or where God's going to bring them in the future. It's so uncertain, and that's why we worry. Now, a little worry is good for us, right? It's good to be a little bit concerned if you broke your, your, your leg. You know, if all of a sudden your leg was sideways, you should be concerned because that concern brings you to the hospital. But a lot of worry is bad. Now, if, if you worry to, to the extent that it's actually harmful to you, you probably shouldn't worry. And the paradox is the more that we worry, the more it affects our health in a negative way. So we worry about having bad health, and then the more that we worry about that, then we feel even worse than we did before. So anxiety can be crippling, and I think that's why it's so important that we talk about this, because as teenagers, especially teen teenagers in the church, sometimes we don't know how to deal with our fears, our worries, and our anxieties. It can be crippling. And when I was in college, I remember, like, I've always struggled with anxiety. I've always struggled with worry. And just ever since I was little till now, you know, I've always had those moments where it, whether it's anxiety disorder, panic disorder, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to give you medical advice. But I remember times that I was driving to college, and, and as I'm going, I'm like, I'm going to die on the way to school. I know this is going to happen. And you have the most irrational fear. And so I would drive like when you're on a Route 18, there's like this one intersection where you can go like in a four-leaf clover and just do this loop. And I did that for like a half hour. I'm like, well, it takes me a half hour to get to school, so I would have died by now if I, if I just went straight. But I was just thinking, maybe I should turn around, maybe I shouldn't even go. I would do weird stuff like that all the time because I was so crippled by my fears. And in contrast to this, the Bible tells us, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything, the Bible says. Well, easy for you to say that, Paul. You're like, you're like an apostle. Of course you can say that. It's in the Bible. You have to say that. But realize when Paul writes this in the book of Philippians, he's actually in prison. He had every bit of a reason to be worried, but instead he says, be anxious for nothing. He could have been beheaded any day. Or he could have been acquitted any day. It was uncertain for him. But in the midst of this, he says there is something you can be certain about, and that is God is in control. See, as Christians, it doesn't matter 
whether or not you know what the future is going to look like because you know who's in control of the future. And so I think that's why it's so important that we attack anxiety instead of just having our anxiety attacks. Those will come and go, but we need to be on the forefront to make sure that anxiety doesn't cripple us for two reasons. Number one, because God doesn't want us to be worried. He doesn't want us to be so filled with concern that we're crippled and prevented from functioning through life. He wants us to live a life of joy. He says, I have come that they might have joy and that more abundantly. And secondly, that leads us to the second reason, which is anxiety affects our testimony. It affects our countenance. If we're always anxious, we're always worried, we're always concerned, that affects the message of the gospel. Or at least, I mean, it doesn't affect the message of the gospel, but it can affect how we present the gospel to someone else. Can you imagine witnessing to someone like, yeah, you really should come to Jesus because he, he fills you with the joy that the world can never take away and gives you peace. Yeah, I have that peace every Every day when I cry in my room, I just have peace somehow. You know, it can affect the testimony. Like, why would anyone want to become a Christian when you talk like that all the time, right? Martin Lloyd-Jones puts it well when he says, In a world where everything has gone so sadly astray, we should be standing out as men and women apart. People characterized by fundamental joy and certainty in spite of conditions, in spite of adversity. It's the very picture that you see in the Bible. In the Bible throughout, you have the people of God that are trusting in the Lord, and the Lord is protecting them and preserving them, while everyone else is just going crazy and going mad. You have the people of Israel when they were in the land of Egypt, and darkness was all over the land except for the people of Israel in the land of Goshen, where they were. They were fine, but everyone else was in darkness. That's how Christians should be. They should live a life that's so exemplary of peace and of joy that the world looks at us and says, how can you have joy? How can you have peace when everything in your life has gone completely mad? Now, we have a lot of Christians that just are always in that perpetual state of sadness, perpetual state of anxiety. And I believe the Bible is telling us in verse 6, be anxious for nothing. It's important not only for our own sake so that we actually can have joy, but it's also important for the world's sake so that we can evangelize the world that we are not crippled by our fears, by our worries, and by our anxieties. Now, maybe you're sitting there and you're like, well, that's easy for you to say, but how am I supposed to just stop it? Is Paul just saying, stop that. Stop worrying. Why are, you so, why are you so worried? Why are you so, so concerned? I say that all the time to like, whenever I'm like really worried and stressed out about something and something like doesn't happen or things turned out okay, I look at someone who's completely not stressed out, someone who's completely not worried, and I say, you see, why did you worry so much, Ivan? It wasn't that bad. I just have a habit of saying that. So it let, like, I don't know, it's therapy or something. Be anxious for nothing. How do you do that? Well, Paul isn't saying just stop it. He gives a solution. He says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything. He doesn't say some things. He doesn't say only with their schoolwork. He doesn't say only with things that really matter. He says, in everything. How many things? Everything by prayer and supplication 
With thanksgiving, let your requests be made, to go, be made known to God. All these requests, all these things that we have bottling up inside of us, uh, we need to make sure that it's cast out and it's uh, put upon the Lord. Now, the question might come to us right now, um, and that question might be, is it a sin to worry? Is it a sin to be anxious? Because it seems to be a command. It's not just like an option. Paul doesn't seem to say, for some Christians, you're allowed to worry and you're allowed to be anxious. It seems like he's saying, for all Christians, don't be anxious for anything. Be anxious for nothing. So if it's a command, does that make it a sin if you don't obey it? Well, here the word anxious is this word in the Greek, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce because I'm not a Greek scholar. But it's the same word that just means care, concern. And as we look at the Bible, we can see that there are times that Paul himself uses that same Greek word to say, I am concerned about you. I am careful for you. I am worried about you. But does that mean that he's in sin? No. Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane obviously was a little stressed out when he was sweating blood. It's hard to say that he was like having this, this, uh, this peace that guarded him from any kind of worry. And he's just like sweating blood just because. But he seemed really stressed out. But here, the point that we need to understand is that we are to take our care and not just stop it, not just not let it happen to us, but to let your care be cast in prayer. That's your first point for tonight. Let your care be cast in prayer. In fact, that same word is the same word that he uses, uh, Peter uses when he says, casting your care uh, upon him for he cares for you. Take your care and cast it upon the Lord in prayer. That's what we're to do with, with our cares, with our worries, with our anxieties. So here's a good question. What do you do with your care? Because what you do with your care actually says a lot about you. Because oftentimes some of us just bottle it up and just keep it inside. Don't tell anyone. Others of us tell everybody every worry, every concern that we have on our mind at all times. And the Bible says, a fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds it back. That in my Bible when I was 16, because I was venting all my feelings, I was like, oh, the Bible says I'm a fool. I need to stop that. It's not just venting your feelings just because. It's venting your feelings in the right place and casting your care upon shoulders that are broad enough to carry the worries and burdens that you have. And so many of us are so filled with anxiety that we don't go to the Lord in prayer. We go to our friends. We go to people that we trust, which are good things. We are to do that. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens, yes, but not at the cost of our relationship with God. Here what we see is that when we cast our care upon the Lord, we have the care from God. We receive the love that he has for us. So not to be careless with our worries, not just be cast him all over the place and just not think about it. He doesn't say just don't think about anything, don't be concerned about everything, uh, just, you know, somehow not worry about anything. He says just take the care and put it in the right place. That's it. That's all you need to know. Not being careless but he wants us to be carefree by giving them to God. Turn to Mark 4, if you would, real quick. Just for a second, why don't you turn to Mark 4. Mark 
Mark chapter 4, verse 35, we have the famous account of when Jesus was on a boat, sleeping. It says in verse 35 of chapter 4 of Mark, On the same day when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? Do you not care that we are perishing? God, do you not care that I'm stressed out right now? Do you not care that everything in my life is going crazy? Lord, do you even care? Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What a powerful story. A powerful testimony of what God can do and the power of God, that even the winds and even the storms obey him. They're not even people. And when it says that he rebuked the winds, that's the same word they, they use when he's rebuking the demons. And it would seem that Satan was doing something. He was trying to stir up a storm around them so that he could kill a disciple or two. He could, he could destroy the Lord before he went to the cross. But Jesus wasn't worried. He wasn't concerned. He was fast asleep. What this shows us is a couple things. First of all, it shows us that Jesus was human. He got tired just like all of us. So it should, like, destroy any notion you have of Jesus just always 24-7 just being like this happily. Hey, no, no problem. Like, he got tired too. I'm sure he got frustrated sometimes. He rebuked the wind. He's like, stop that. Peace. Be still. But did the, did the disciples need to worry? No, they didn't have to worry at all. Did they really think that they were going to die? Apparently they did. They said, do you not care that we are perishing? But Jesus was in control of the storm. And God is sovereign over any of our circumstances. And so that's what we need to realize is before we let anxiety consume us, before we let the cares of this world so absorb our lives, we need to make sure that we remember who God is. And back in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, when it says, In everything by prayer, that word prayer, it means adoration. It means that you set your mind on God and you praise Him before you get to the panic. Before you get to the worry. Before you get so stressed out, just start your prayers by saying, Lord, you are in control. Instead of trying to wake up Jesus and be like, hey, hey, you, hey, hey, don't you care? Before we come to Jesus and say, Lord, don't you see my situation? Do we start off by asking ourselves, do we see God as he is? Do we recognize that he's in control? He's not worried. And what's funny is the wind, the storm, and everything around him wasn't waking him up. But it was the voice of his disciples. You better believe that. If you feel like God doesn't hear your prayers, he hears your prayers above all else. Above every other noise in this world. 
You are his dear child. And anytime that you're in trouble, you better believe that he's there to be with you. Be in those concerns. I saw that movie Unbroken last night with the Gruenthals, the Gruen crew. It was great. Love that movie. It was, it was awesome. But as he's there, I'm not going to give you the spoiler, but he was out there for 45 days drifting uh, at sea. And he, that's when Louis Zamperini, true story, he told the Lord in a, in a short prayer, if you get me out of this and you help me to survive, I will give my life to you. I will serve you for the rest of my life. And that's a true story of what actually happened. 45 days out on the water. And the whole thing that went through my mind as I'm watching this movie is how can he still trust in the Lord after all those things? But he saw it completely differently. He saw it as God's sovereignty bringing him to the place that he's at so he could show exemplary forgiveness as a Christian should. So that we will look at his life and be like, what a testimony. If he can forgive them, how, how, how much God, uh, how great is the love of God that he would forgive us. So it doesn't matter what storm you're going through. You always have the opportunity to cast your care in prayer. Not just prayer, but then you can go to supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God surpasses all understanding. will guard your hearts and minds in Christ, uh, through Christ Jesus. So it's not just stop it. It's not just don't think about it. It's do something about it. Attack anxiety. Don't be passive about it. Actually take action. And when you have that fear that's crippling, you are just going straight to God and saying, but God, you are in control. I know that you're working this together for good. No matter how terrible this seems, no matter how worried I may feel, I know that you are in control. That's what Jesus did, didn't he? When he was in the garden. He says, Lord, if there be any other way, that'd be great. But... Nevertheless, not my will, but your, be, your will be done. That's at the end of uh, every conversation we have with God. We bring our requests, yes, but then with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you in advance because as worried as I am right now, I know you're going to work it out. I know that you have plans for me to prosper me, not, of, uh, not for evil, to give me a future and a hope. I know that there's nothing in this world that can separate me from your love. You just have to speak it. You have to say it. You have to out loud proclaim that he is God and you're not. And so let your words be few and let him do the talking. Second point is that the peace of God can guard you from all worry. The peace of God can guard you from all worry. What he says here when he says guard, he, he's using like a military term. That this peace can come, and it's just something that you will not be able to understand, whether you're a believer or you're an unbeliever. It's something that you'll just never be able to understand in this life. It's like, I don't know why, but I just feel this peace, and I know that God's got it under control. But you have to be able to surrender to the Lord to have that peace. That peace doesn't just happen if you're still willing to, to grab on to control of the situation. If you're not willing to cast that care before the Lord, you'll never be able to receive that peace. Because you're still trying to do it on your own strength and, and take it into your own hands. But when you surrender, when you fully just give your heart to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand the situation, but I know that you do, then he's able to have everything, um, have everything in your mind and in your heart in complete peace. That's why the Bible says, 
in Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, you'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Now that trust has to be um, like in Psalm chapter 4, verse 8, when David was in the midst of a battle, he was running all over the place, hiding from Saul. He says, in peace I will lie down and sleep, for you, O Lord, will keep me safe. Here's a question. If we go back to Mark chapter 4 and we just imagine ourselves in that situation again, who are we in the story? Are we the panicking disciples or are we Jesus asleep? Completely assured that God has everything in control. Are we at peace because we're willing to relinquish control? Or are we trying to take control of the situation and therefore worried? The next point comes from Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. It says, Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. That might be a verse that you want to write down because that's going to be a verse that we go on throughout this series week after week. Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You see, worry makes our hearts heavy. And actually, the literal word there when it says that it causes depression, the King James, the original King James translates it, translates it well when it says heaviness in the heart of a man makes it stoop. So imagine this heart just being weighed down with all of the worries, all of the anxieties, all of the depression. That's what happens. When you're holding on to all the worries and concerns of this life, it's going to make your heart sag down. But a good word makes it glad. And there's no better word than the gospel. The good news is that Jesus won the battle for you, and he has conquered so that you don't have to fight it anymore. So here's your third point. Your heart will only be as heavy as the burdens you choose to carry. Your heart will only be as heavy as the burdens you choose to carry. Think about that. Worry is a choice. Anxiety is a choice. Now, it doesn't mean that you're, you're never going to have to worry ever again. It doesn't mean that you're never going to like, you're just, like I said, it's not just stop it. It's like you can choose whether or not you're going to stay in a perpetual state of worry. So if you're still worried, you're still concerned, that's not God's fault. Is it because you haven't given it over to the Lord? You haven't cast it upon him. And your heart will just be weighed down more and more the more that we hold on to the problems and concerns and cares of this life. Turn to Psalm chapter 42. I want to show you a brutally honest psalm that David writes in Psalm chapter 42. Psalm chapter 42, it says, As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is your God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me, for I used to go with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept a pilgrim feast. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. 
Therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan and from the heights of Hermon, from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of your waterfalls. All your waves and billows have gone over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime, and in the night his song shall be with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As, I, as with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. What I love about this psalm, and it's not David, by the way, but what I love about this psalm is how he has a brutally honest uh, conversation with himself because he hears all these things from the world. Where is your God? Now, maybe that's the voice that you've been hearing and you've been listening to when you have a trial, when you have a difficulty or a situation in life that you just seem like you, you can't conquer it. Where is your God? in that suffering, in that difficulty, in that whatever. Where is that God when, when someone's sick in your family? Where is your God when, when you absolutely need him and you've been calling out? Well, here, what he says is, why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? He finds it hard to be a person who's going to praise the Lord. He says, my tears have been my food all day and night. And maybe you've had that happen in your life too. It's like you don't even have an appetite because you're just so consumed with anxiety, so consumed with worry. And as the Bible says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Why are you sad? Because you're just so worried. You're so consumed with all these things. It just, you can't help it, but your heart just feels heavy. So that's how anxiety and depression can be linked together. And here you see obviously this man who's very depressed and very hurt, but what he says in the end is, I will hope in God, for yet I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Realizing that when you see God's face, his countenance rubs off on you. And you can't help it sometimes that you're just sad and like you ever just walk around school, you walk around with your friends, you're like, what's wrong? And you just hate that question because you're like, you don't want to talk about it. And so you, but you don't want to hide it either because then you feel like a hypocrite and you just don't know what to do. And so he asks this question of himself, why am I so cast down? I don't know. I feel miserable. I feel terrible. What can I do about this? Well, as Martin Lloyd-Jones says, we must talk to ourselves instead of allowing ourselves to talk to us. I think that's a principle that every single one of us has to make sure that we, we really get down. Because some of us listen to the voice that's within. Listen to all those different things that are, are being said from our, our own mind. Right? You're inadequate. You're no, no good. No one wants to listen to you. No one wants to be your friend. Whatever. And you have to talk to yourself. Why am I, why am I feeling this way? Why do I feel so terrible? Why am I not hoping in God? Because I know the minute I start praying... I'm going to feel better. I'm going to have that peace that surpasses all understanding. If I have anxiety, if I have a burden, it's because I'm making a, a choice and I haven't been able to give this to the Lord as of yet. So when we talk to ourselves, it helps us get into that place where we can just go approach God. And that's just something that's just very practical. Is Okay, so when you're worried, when you're anxious, when you're having a problem, when you're having a difficulty, the first thing we really have to get down is that we just got to pray. 
If you don't feel like praying, then talk to yourself until you can pray. Like, I don't feel like praying. Why do I, why don't I feel like praying? I should probably feel like praying because I know if I pray, I'm going to feel better. I want to feel better. Well, I probably should feel better because if I feel better, it's going to make everyone else feel better. And I need to bless other people anyway. All right, I'm going to do it. You just have conversations with yourself so that you can get in a place uh, so that the Lord can, can speak to you and give you that peace that you really need. So closing out in Philippians, flipping back now. Want this to really just, listen, it's really simple tonight for a reason. So that you actually practice it. So that we leave here and that we actually start praying the next time that we're anxious. So he says what? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. I memorized this verse when I was about 13 years old. And I did that because I was just so anxious. And it's not like I sat down and I was trying to memorize it, but because I had to remind myself of this verse so many times that eventually it became a part of the fabric of my life. And maybe that's what you have to do too, is you just got to remind yourself time after time again, you got to talk to yourself and not let yourself talk to yourself. And you got you to just make sure that you have this ingrained in your mind that you can be anxious for nothing when you cast it before the Lord. Second thing is, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the peace of God will be with you. Those are the other two things we're going to learn in, this, in the coming weeks. But right here for tonight, listen. I've been really stressed out in this past month, probably more than I have in the past couple of years. And I think it's not a coincidence that as I'm going to teach about stress and anxiety and all this other stuff, that I would feel like the battle is just raging on. And that reminds me that I just got to learn this stuff too. Like I'm just on this journey to remember that I, I always have the opportunity to come before the Lord. And he always has that peace. He's always been faithful. He's always gracious. And he's going to pour that out on all of us if we're willing to come to him. That's why he says in John chapter 16, verse 33, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Let's pray.